process is changing, becoming more powerful. You can write a worklet and paint in a rainbow. CSS is changing, giving us so much control. You can now enumerate your values all in a row. And that is why you tune in to our little podcast show. We'll be talking about Houdini. If you're ready, here we'll go. Welcome oh. to Tuesday, oh. a podcast about Oops. tech tools, tips, and tricks every other Tuesday at 2. I'm your co-host, Yuna. And I'm Chris. And today we're talking about Houdini. Houdini. CSS Again. Houdini, a.k.a. Uh, like the future of how we'll be writing CSS in like three to five years, probably. I don't know. I can't give a timeline estimate on that. Um, but we did do a show about this a couple of months, like maybe half a year ago or longer Time slips by. There's so much more to talk about now, and I've done a lot more work with it. So I um, am so excited to record a new show and have more to say on the subject. Okay, so before we get too far into it, I want to say thank you so much to today's sponsor, Radix. And they want you all to know that .tech domains are here, and it just might be what you need. .tech is a quality domain name that has way more availability than other domains like .coms. I'm sure you've noticed. I feel like all the .coms are taken. And .tech domains also instill a strong tech-focused position for your personal brand or company. .tech companies have raised over $500 million in funding and include brands like Viacom, The Consumer Electronics Show, or CES, and even Intel has the domain Insight.tech for its IoT and Embedded Innovation Lab. Use .tech for your new startup idea or personal portfolio and get 90% off on one in five-year registrations when you register it on get.tech. 90% off? That's amazing. That's crazy. This is like the best sponsor you ever had. One-year plans are only $4.99 and five-year plans are $24.99. I feel like I have to register some domains even though I already have way too many, but it's still such a good deal. Again, that's www.get.tech, just G-E-T dot T-E-C-H, and you get 90% off on domains. Sweet. Sweet. Awesome. So I have done a lot of like experimenting with Houdini lately, and it's definitely a different way to write CSS. I kind of think of it as like JS and CSS in a way. Like I don't want to start. I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, like, I just feel like we just got off this, you know, Twitter wars about people being very upset about CSS and JavaScript. And now you're it's telling different. me that the future of CSS is JavaScript. You know, explain yourself. Okay. So this is different because what people were arguing about before is where do you write your styles? And it's my opinion that you don't want to mix styling with logic. So like, why do I want to write inline CSS that looks bad? Like even having um, CSS in the file, I like to separate it out, which is why I like CSS modules more than um, a lot of the other CSS and JS frameworks. We've talked about this. We have lots of shows about this. Check those out. <laughs> we'll link them in the show notes. Um, but what this allows you to do is to write JavaScript that lets your CSS parser understand what it's reading better and also to create like new styles in JavaScript that you can then pull into your your DOM file, your project, and then use it in your CSS. 
So there's a lot of different examples of this. Um, Houdini runs in worklets, which are really efficient because they're just like these really small files that kind of are similar to service workers where they live in that space between your uh, browser and the network and they can sort of ping in and out and like live and die and like they're just small little worklet files whenever you need them. Um, so it's, it's like JavaScript and it's like a lot of the conventions that we're used to, but slightly different, I guess. <laughs> Excellent. Almost, but not quite. Yeah, but it is a lot like writing JavaScript in CSS. <laughs> So, and you have been, like, you just gave a talk on this, uh, yeah. how to go. The talk went well. It was my first talk about this subject, and I did, like, a few demos and stuff. I did some live coding. It almost went perfectly. But, you know, <laughs> there's always... <laughs> Listen, if you do live coding demos, you must have a backup. Like, make sure that you have your backup steps so that if something goes wrong, you can show at the end. I went through the whole thing nearly perfect in the end, like, I think just silly off by one error. Maybe I was missing a capital. I don't know. Something wasn't there but i had the entire thing saved out as a i think i've seen you live code more than any other speaker um i feel like you've, you've got, got it down now it's like it's pretty it's pretty sweet. i'm very impressed whenever i see it i'm like wow you did Thank a you. half an hour of live coding yeah i like doing it <laughs> i did a whole 40 minute talk when i live coded a css game at uh yes CSS, CSS. Conf one year yeah. <laughs> but yeah you just gotta gotta talk and write at the same time um, so now for this uh, Houdini talk, what yeah. would you say was the biggest like wow moment for your audience when you talked about something? So there's a couple of things. I think that the biggest wow moment for my audience at this point um, was when I showcased the paint API, like the paint uh, worklets, because the audience was like a mix between designers and developers, and that kind of hits home for both um, of those fields. And it's also the most worked through of all of the Houdini worklets and modules so far. So um, if you want to follow along, if you're interested in this topic, there's a great website called ishoudiniReadyYet.com. And we'll have that in the show notes too, but it lists out all of the browsers, like there's Safari, Chrome, Edge, Firefox, Opera, Samsung Internet, and then also it shows the W3C spec. So you can see how far the progress is with implementing those in the browsers. Um, and the paint Thank you, Chrome. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Yeah, Paint API and the typed object model are the only ones that are actually shipped right now in any version of a browser. And the rest are all still like under construction. So I had to give my talk in Canary <laughs> to showcase some of the demos. But the demos yeah. were good. Like when the audience can see what's happening, that's when yeah. it really hits home. But there's so many cool things. Like I could talk about this forever. I was telling Chris before the show that I didn't know how to organize this topic <laughs> because there's so much that I want to talk about. And there's so much that's still being developed, that's, like, exciting. Um, yeah. But I guess we could start from the top. <laughs> start from – well, how, how about this? So, uh, in let's say it's two years from now, mm -hmm. and um, it's it's live. Probably about two years, but it is live. What would you want to use immediately tomorrow – immediately? Like, what is the one thing like, that's like, wow, I have to – this will change how I work? So, I think that the Properties and Values API is going to change how we do things like design systems – and okay. um, so the properties and values API is basically just custom properties. Okay. Right. Which are CSS, CSS variables. Yeah, which are CSS variables. But it makes sense why CSS variables are called custom properties when you put them in this uh, s scope of um, the custom properties and values spec. Because uh, what this allows us to do is to really create custom property values. So, <laughs> like okay, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> 
But let me give you an example. Right now, okay, you okay, can okay. write a variable and like set it in your root or set it in okay. a local scope. So you have like a color and it's black and you want to have that as your primary color because um, it's Halloween <laughs> or something. And um, you can do that. But if in that local scope, you set that uh, primary color value to now 23, CSS doesn't know how to read that, right? So it doesn't yeah. know what to do with that information because it just reads it as a string. And that's how CSS is being parsed right now. It's being parsed as a string. But the uh, properties and value is API. allows you to set a syntax. It allows you to set initial values. It allows you to do a lot more with that property value. So you can okay. set an initial value of your primary color to be black. And then if you want to do your springtime theme, you can set it like locally or update it to be pink or something. Um, but if you have a string like 23 in that value, then it'll fall back to black. Like it'll fall back to your default value instead of just ignoring that line in CSS. So it's mm. like um, typing your CSS. You're giving it a type mm. and giving it a default value. Oh, okay. So you can say I, this has to be a number or it has to be a string. Yes. Wow, that's very cool, actually. So you can give it a syntax value. And because of that, you can now use it to create like interoperability between values. Um, one of the examples that people give about Houdini is animated gradients. Right now you can't animate from one gradient value to another because um, the browser doesn't understand that inside of a gradient you have uh, color values. Like you could have a variety of mm. items in there, numbers, val like a, a mix of things. You could have properties yeah. to write wherever it's located. But yeah. when you're creating custom variables because you can set the syntax to be a color, it knows it's a color value, it pulls from color. So when you have a hover effect that changes that linear gradient and you're using that custom property and you have a transition where you're saying transition that custom property like 0.5 seconds, you'll see a visual transition from one gradient to another if you're using that Ooh, value. I didn't know why that didn't work. Yeah. Okay. So it's really cool because you can give custom properties real meaning and semantic yeah. meaning. Um, for the first time in CSS. So that's like exciting. And there's like a few syntaxes you can use. And yeah, um, I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's kind of like typed CSS variables. And there's also this typed object model that's a part of Houdini, which basically gives semantic meaning to property values in CSS. Yeah. And so okay. this is like more for performance. So instead of the browser reading your CSS style sheet as like a list of strings, and parsing it out just like one by one, like reading the rules, mm -hmm. it actually has semantic meaning about what those um, values are. So yeah. it's faster to parse, which okay. is really nice. That is, that's 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 very cool. Um, the other thing I see um, talked about a lot is this layout worklet, um, but it just seems like witchcraft to me. Is that is it is this out anywhere? Layout? Yeah. So layout works in Canary right now. And it is kind of like witchcraft, but okay. it's exciting witchcraft. Um, okay. Basically, it lets developers write their own layout algorithms. That <laughs> sounds frightening to and me. And what that means is like, okay, so in practicality, what it means is we can make these layouts that we can't currently write in CSS. And the whole point of Houdini is that it gives developers control over how they want to write CSS. So they don't have to wait for the yeah. browser vendors to catch up because that takes a long time. They can just write these like polyfills that yeah. aren't just like JavaScript overrides on the DOM. You have yeah. access to the core of the CSS object model, which is like the most exciting thing. I don't know. I've like 
this is what gets me really stoked about Houdini. It's, <laughs> it's a completely different way to write styles for the web. Yeah. And so the layouts that we're using now are like grid layout, which is cool because that gives us vertical and horizontal uh, spacing for the first time yeah. ever. Um, Flexbox came before that, which gave us like a flexible box layout. Um, and these are things that build upon each other, but now we don't have to wait for the browser vendors to catch up. We can write like constraint-based layouts, like for a watch or yeah. a car dashboard. We can write constraints. We can apply like vertical rhythm. We can yeah. create like masonry. And that's something yeah. that you currently have to use JavaScript for. Masonry is basically having elements that fit in the best possible position in like the top right corner right. of the screen. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, a nice, it's a nice matrix algorithm basically to, to actually lay everything out yeah so you can write these things with the layout api and i'm not going to get into like the syntax of it but basically you have like children and inside the children you have edges of like the layout box and yeah. then yeah, yeah, the yeah. layout itself and like you have this map basically that you're writing out and it's yeah it's definitely the most complex api right now with houdini because you have to account for left to right versus right to left layouts. And like the browser has to understand how to parse your right. custom Specific layout thing. for that. Um, but um, so Sermo works at Google and he's done a lot of really cool examples of layout and stuff. So um, I would recommend his uh, Twitter is Das Serma and he's okay. one of the best like example builders of things <laughs> that Houdini uh, How, how will this Houdini. work? He works yeah. at Google and he's like, yeah. he's done a lot of great work for it. Yeah. And there's also um, IMVideo who has a CSS Houdini-rocks.com and we'll put those links in the show notes and like he made a lot of really cool demos yeah. of usage with Houdini. Um, but I bring up Serma's examples because there's like this random example that he does where he like randomizes a layout whenever you refresh the items within the parent like show up in different places on the screen mm -hmm. and you can like get the constraining boxes and the css that you're writing can also be read by this worklet like you can yeah. output information from it so that's a good example there's like a a repo on github from google chrome labs that shows these examples and there's also a masonry example on there so lots of stuff to, yeah, to I, check out. <laughs> I was looking through it. So there's this uh, CSS Houdini drafts um, GitHub repo with, I think, a bunch of Sermos examples. Uh, examples, And he goes through, uh, one, it's just wonderfully documented. There's so much stuff here. But then he, like, he has this like structure of like, motivating use cases and says, oh, you know, here are these real-life use cases that people actually do right now and have to do a bunch of work around it uh, to make it work. And then here's how you do it in Houdini. Uh, mm -hmm. Which is so exciting to me to see to see this kind of work. Um, I've seen Houdini described as like the babble for CSS, and so like in my head, if one day you know Houdini hits critical mass, and then somebody can say, "Oh, I'm gonna write a Houdini plugin for uh, like Flex Gap or for these layout models that aren't quite there yet everywhere, but maybe Houdini is," which seems maybe a bit backwards, but maybe that's what that's what happens. That seems like oh wow, now we have people writing great CSS. Uh, and it just works. I think that's exactly what it is. Like the way yeah. that we'll be using this is we'll be importing modules that allow us to write CSS in the way that we want to, to separate styling from logic. And that's why I, I'm excited about this being a form of writing 
JS whatever. I'm not gonna. You're right. So you're not writing your style. You're writing how to parse the style. Exactly. You're right. writing to your browser to teach yeah. your browser how to understand your CSS. So yeah. with the layout API, then you have to basically call layout. So once, um, once you've written your worklet, you have to import it in the HTML. So you have to write like css.layoutworklet.addModule, and then you implement that. You register that module. And then in your styling, you can write display layout and then whatever the layout's name is that you named yeah. um, in your worklet file. And so that's how paint works. That's how a lot of things work. But now what we will be able to do is to import these like polyfills, but they're more performant polyfills because they can really... Because um, they're worklets. The browser. Exactly, because they're worklets. They're not like rewriting the DOM once it's already been loaded. It's not like JavaScript to use to style, which is what people have to do now. We're writing information to the browser so it understands how we want to style things, and then we're using it in our CSS. It's exciting. Mind-blowing. Mind <laughs> um, um. I want to talk about the um, Paint API because it's what okay. I would kind of recommend for people if they wanted to get started with Houdini and just, like, start fussing and, around with it. And Paint is available now on Chrome. Yeah, so it's right? available okay. in Chrome Stable. Um, according to Is Houdini Ready Yet, it was shipped in Chrome 65. And I think we're on Chrome 68 now? 69. Don't you okay. remember the tweet? And everyone replied, oh, yes. nice. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> well, okay, moving right along. <laughs> um, so basically, if you want to get started with Houdini, I think uh, the Paint API is a great place to start. It's similar syntax to Canvas, but inside of the Paint API, you accept like context and size, and you can write things based on the element that you're applying the paint to. So um, I I have like a bunch of just things I've been futzing around with on like CodePen, where yeah, I will essentially start with the canvas, and then I'll convert that to a worklet, and then to convert it to a worklet, what you have to do is you basically write your worklet in a class and then you uh, register that worklet. So if it's a paint API, you would write register paint and then name it and then put the class in there. So you could write the class in there to start with or like write separately. I think it's a little cleaner separately. Yeah. Um, and you would invoke the worklet file in your HTML. So you have to do that add module line. And then in CSS, you can use it. So you can write like background and then paint and then the name, right. whatever you named it. So yeah. You can like literally make rainbow backgrounds or um, there's this site that's uh, Houdini-rocks.com that has a lot of really good practical examples. Some of them are different ways to do borders. Um, I'm going to go open it right now. Houdini Some of it is rocks. like... Me too. Uh, it's it's Houdini.rocks. That's it. Houdini.rocks. Uh, uh, pro tip. Oh, Don't just... Don't, uh, it's css-hunity.rocks. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm yeah. like trying to remember this off the top of my head. I said it wrong 40 times. This is professional podcasting uh, at its uh, <laughs> If you Google Houdini space rocks, you do not get Houdini stuff. So uh, We did it for you, so you don't have to. <laughs> well, Chris did it for you. Uh, but there's some of the examples in here are like smooth corners that are... Yeah smoother than you would have with a border radius yeah. um hover masks there's the conic gradient as an example which is something that we have to polyfill right now um having corners gradient which you can honestly write yourself so yeah there's but there's better examples in here like customizing check boxes like form styling yeah. there's um a really cool example 
using um, this SVG layout path where they have these items like living on this um, layout path and that uses the CSS properties and values API. So. I, I remember, um, I think we talked about this one um, way back when we talked about it the first time and I saw the custom checkboxes and that's what blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, custom checkboxes? Yeah, right? <laughs> this has been such a pain for me. That's one uh, thing that's really frustrating because like, there's no way right now to style forms in the way that you'd want to as a designer who likes to style things in CSS. Like you yeah. have to futz around them and it's like, doesn't it doesn't work the same in every browser. And I remember I went on like, uh, I Googled like form uh, customization and the first link that popped up was W3Schools as always. Uh -oh. uh, so I problem. thought like, oh, this must be like the most basic way to do it. What do they say to do? And their example was like, okay, you write your markup, cool. And then you write your CSS and it was just like convoluted. And then yeah. you have to add JavaScript. And it's like even more convoluted. It's like, okay, um, point yeah, proven. It, <laughs> yeah, it's like, and, and in this case, you know, what they've done is that they've defined a custom SVG element called checkbox, basically, and they painted it. And then you just style it with color and background color, more or less, just like you would for you know, normal stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> the future. It is something that I'm super excited about. And I think it's a good time to start playing with it because it's early and you can yeah. kind of help to give examples and help to inform what this could be. Um, something I forgot to mention um, is that because it's experimental, you have to enable experimental web platform features if you're using Chrome. So you can go to this URL, it's like Chrome double uh, colon double slash flag slash yeah. hash enable dash experimental dash web dash platform dash features. Or you can just go to Chrome slash flags. I, I don't think you needed that for the paint API though, right? That's, that's Chrome stable. Yeah, but there might be some things that are funky because it's uh, okay. constantly like they're still working Changing. on it, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And also you have to be working either on localhost or on an HTTPS. Oh, yeah. And that's because it works like a service worker in that it lives in that space between network and um, browser. And that's like a dangerous space. So we don't want to like have any malicious instances. And, and I'll say like, you know, these things suddenly become stable much faster than expected. I think the web's been moving faster and faster. Like I remember like a year ago, somebody was talking about CSS Grid and I was like, that's so far away. No one needs to learn about it now. And now it's like 80% of the browsers support CSS Grid. All the CSS browsers. Grid. Yeah, yeah, but like 80% of the most people's usage, right, uh, support uh, CSS Grid. And like the old browsers are dying much faster than I thought they would actually die. And it's like, oh, wow, it's... The web's moving quickly. The web is moving quickly. And I'm really hopeful and looking forward to having Houdini support across browsers because it does make development so much faster and easier. And the web can be like really trendy at like again. Well trendy. It's trendy. But yeah. it just makes it so much easier to to style things and to give designers the tools that they want to style things and even to write design systems. Like you can write your own custom paint properties for a specific company. Like you can put your logo in one. I don't know. There's just so many things you could do, like different yeah. ways that you want to underline text or create unique cars or boxes or borders or I, I feel forms. like I don't know. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so true. Cause we've always kind of limited what, how expressive you can be on the web. Cause we've said, Hey, you know, 
don't use custom fonts because we want it to be super fast. Don't do custom checkboxes because it's not accessible. Don't do all these things. And then now with the web supporting these things, like I think designers have the chance to become more expressive and kind of make the web more beautiful, right? So it's not just yeah. uh, not just bootstrap everywhere. So. And right now, it's definitely not the most speedy and performant, but the idea is that it will get there. So that's that's the day I'm looking forward to. All right. Uh, do you have any last comments? Um, I'm just going to say to check out some of the links that we got in the show notes if you're interested in learning more about Houdini. Um, I think it's something cool to start exploring but don't freak out it's not like another thing that you need to know it's definitely far far in the future and things are constantly changing with that as well but um other than that i just want to say thanks for listening to the show and i also want to thank our sponsor radix who want you to get 90 percent off of a dot tech domain 90 percent off it's only five dollars for a year and only 25 dollars for a rent controlled five years so go to www.get.tech, that's www.get.tech, to get yourself 90% off of a .tech domain. I also want to thank Webflow for being our patron on Patreon. They have some cool stuff coming out recently, too. So I'm stoked to see them, like... I love supporting Webflow. I love like seeing how they're doing. They have been supporting us for over a year now, and they never asked us to say any ads so we appreciate them and you should too um <laughs> that's all i have for this show if you like the show please rate and review it on whatever you listen to your podcasts on you can follow us on twitter our twitter account is toolsday t-o-o-l-s-d-a-y and we'll see you next time <laughs>